Thanks, buddy. Shannon is indeed a good friend. He pastors in Lebanon, Ohio. Great church, Destiny Church. And so, um, doing a real bang-up job. Needs us to pray that they're able to get their building built. they got beautiful property. They just need to get their, their building done. And it's a good thing we serve a God that does miracles, right? He can do that and uh, get it built. But he is a great friend of mine. And anytime we did church life courses together, whether in Texas or Florida, uh, they always mixed our names up. So Sean, for weeks I was Shannon, he was Sean, and we just flipped back and forth. So good buddy. Thank you very much, Shannon, for that. Yep. Uh, as he said, if you do not want to be in here to learn how to make a healthy church, then that's really bad. But if you... Uh... <laughs> Great, but... Now that you'll be thoroughly embarrassed if you want to leave, by all means do that. Uh, it has been a great day, hasn't it? A lot of information. Does anybody's brain feel like you're just on overload? Okay, good. Um, so not to mention the overload, but somehow uh, during the night I got a congestion going on, and so I've been fighting it all day and MC and other folks' room. Um, and then to come in here, I don't know what I may say, so... And this is recorded. That's wild. Okay, so we will uh, go forward. If there's something you didn't hear and you wanted to hear, uh, I know they've said this, but I want to make sure you know it, that they're going to have these all online for you to download every session. Um, it'll be through our Ohio Ministry Network website. You'll be able to go on there, download the specific one you're looking for, maybe uh, download it for a team member at your church couldn't come. Uh, and then I believe Josh said they're going to make them available on iTunes as well. And so you'll be able just to, you know, while you're doing your workout, listen to these sessions again um, all week long. All right. So uh, the committee, I guess, that puts all these speakers together, um, they wanted somebody that, you know, they said, well, for the last session of the day, because people typically go home by now, <laughs> we want somebody uh, that, you know, we need a real good... A theologian to speak at the two o'clock session. Somebody that knows eschatology and Christology and theology and is able to talk about the Christophanies of Christ and engage in biblical literature. And, and so uh, that guy couldn't come. And, um, <laughs> and so, um, then they said, well, we need, a, we need a big name then. We need somebody that's well known uh, that, we could, that we could bring in for the two o'clock and... and, and uh, that guy couldn't, couldn't come either. And uh, thankfully, there was a guy on the committee that says, well, we can't get the theologian and we can't get the big name, but I know a really good-looking preacher. And uh, he couldn't come either. Yeah, so, <laughs> so they asked me, and I uh, hated, hated to turn him down four times in a row, so I said, yeah, I'll, 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 I'll come. <laughs> so... Um, I did have handouts uh, to give you, but I left the folder with those handouts in the first session I emceed, and when I went back, they're gone. So somebody has all 45 copies of that paper. What they're going to do with them, I don't know. But um, if you want some sort of a skeleton outline, you can see me uh, after. Give me your email address, and, and I'll, be sure, I'll be sure to get that to you. Uh, in all honesty, uh, I'm thankful to be able to participate in Synergy. It's great. Every year we have dynamic people right here within our Ohio Assemblies of God. We should be very proud of uh, just the caliber of folks uh, that we have. And I know you know that because you've already been through three sessions. But um, I, I just think that they do a bang-up job every year. And every year it gets bigger 
And so next year, hopefully, you can bring more people, um, more people from your church. This is Ben. Uh, he's from our church. He's going to run the uh, projector here today, today for me. So today's uh, session is what is your church's BMI, uh, deepening the spiritual life of the family of faith without expending more time. Now, I didn't come up with that title. <laughs> they, they gave it to me. And so um, I don't know that uh, I really had a firm grasp on BMI uh, before, I, before I started studying for the, uh, for the session. So I had to look it up. Maybe, maybe you would too. Uh, what, is, what is BMI? Uh, according to the CDC, it's the body mass index uh, calculated from a person's weight and height. BMI is a fairly reliable indicator of body fatness for most people. Now, about here I'm getting offended that this is the one that they, um, that they picked me to, to speak at. Uh, especially CDC just uses the word fatness with ease. Uh, BMI does not measure body fat directly, thank the Lord. But research has shown that BMI correlates to direct measures of body fat, such as underwater weighing and dual energy x-ray Absorption metry diagnostics. BMI can be considered an alternative for direct measures of body fat. And then the second definition, which is much clearer, says BMI is used to screen as a screening tool to identify possible weight problems for adults. So I was thoroughly insulted after both of those uh, definitions. So medically, it is, it is the calculation of your weight and your height to determine certain health factors. Are you unhealthy? Are you obese? Are you skinny mini? Um, I, I am not a health person. I know that shocks you. Uh, but I am not. Uh, I'm just not. Uh, I wish I was and I'd like to be, but it is. I sleep in. But it is not. Uh, I'm not like Steve. He exercises constantly. So uh, this whole idea of BMI, uh, I'm not going to talk about the physical aspect of that because I have no expertise. Uh, be like your dentist having no teeth, so I'm not going to do that. Um, but to, what we are going to look at the church, and we're going to try to determine the height and weight factors uh, to try to figure out what is the health, the generalized health of your church. How many people in here, before we get started and all these things we're going to talk about, how many could say, I have an extremely, extremely healthy church? Would you raise your hand? What? This is the Ohio Assemblies of God. How many have an extremely healthy church? Okay, how many have a just uh, okay healthy church? Yeah, that's a little safer. How many have a deathbed church? It is very <laughs> sick. Okay. Well, um, are there any... Just throw me out some questions, because they, they encourage us to do this uh, right on the board. Some questions you may have that we'll try to hit during the, during the session. Anybody got a, a question that you hope to learn in this session about church health? Anybody? What's one of the main drivers of it? Okay. Drivers of health, right? All right. Somebody else? How about indications of an unhealthy church? Okay. Indicators. Good. Or indications of a healthy church. Indicators of un- or healthy churches, right? Anybody else? Question about this session. Say, man, this is the last session. I've got to know this before I go home. I'm just not going to be able to breathe. Nobody? I guess they're easy. Okay. Uh, I'll answer none of those, so that's good. We'll go <laughs> on to, uh, to this. <laughs> no, I'll try to answer those. Uh, we're going to look at church health 
uh, as a totality. And uh, take notes uh, as you see fit. I think in your books there's, there's plenty of room for that. Uh, each year, these are statistics that just uh, crush us. Each year, 3,500 churches close their doors in the USA. Uh, each year, 3,500 churches close their doors in America. And um, I don't have the number for how many are planted, but suffice to say, we're not keeping up with closure uh, at all. Uh, last year, all churches in the United States, half of them did not add one new member. Uh, half of them did not take in one new person. So I think it would be uh, safe to say, across the board, uh, we're unhealthy as far as church goes uh, for, for what we're doing as a totalitarian um, example of churches. We're across denominational boards. This is not just Assemblies of God. This is like everybody that's in love with Jesus. We're not doing well uh, with this idea of church. I wasn't raised in church as a kid. Um, I hear speakers, friends of mine that are ministers, uh, they've got wonderful pedigrees. Their dad was a preacher, their granddad was a preacher, you know, their great-great-grandma was a preacher and tour guide for Sacagawea and all that stuff. And I, I, I hear all these, all these pedigrees, and my, I was raised heathen, so I don't have that, uh, that, that reaching back. But uh, we did go to church. My mom is here uh, today. Uh, thanks, Mom, for coming from my class. And uh, we... <laughs> My, we would go to church. We were what I call C&E Christians, Christmas and Easter Christians. And we would go to church every Christmas celebration, every Easter celebration. We'd done our American duty. We were in church on Easter. And um, I don't know. It, it was, we went to a little tiny, I grew up in Kentucky, and we went to a little tiny um, Methodist, United Methodist Church set on the side of a creek and a real small, uh, great folks. And we would sing three songs uh, as, a, as a choir. A uh, couple special songs, uh, offering. If you ever been to Methodist Church, you know immediately after the offering is the doxology, and then the preacher would get up and read something out of a notebook, and uh, we'd all go home. That was church. Um, I went later as as a teenager. Um, a whole testimony about myself. I don't have time to tell you about, but I had a stroke and was completely paralyzed for six months. Uh, that'll get your attention to look to Jesus really quick, and so. Um, uh, I started going to church a little bit before the stroke happened, but I didn't go for the right reasons. I went to look at girls, and I'm totally honest with that. And so I uh, was there to look at girls, but I never really felt infected to be a part of the church because I didn't really know what the church did. Uh, I knew we got together on Sunday, but I didn't really know what the church did. And let me say something that's exciting and at the same time scary. Uh, this generation today is not content to sit on the sidelines. They're just not. They want to be involved in the health of the church. They want to be involved in the life of the church. And if we're not healthy enough to tell them where to plug in, we're only killing ourselves. Or if we get this idea that, well, you'll never understand adult mentality when it comes to church, so you just pipe down there, Junior. Uh, we're, we're killing ourselves. And so we have to identify what's healthy and at the same time provide branches or bridges or avenues, whatever your language likes, in order for those uh, people for those people to come in. So, what does a healthy congregation look like? And the obverse of that would be uh, unhealthy. Um, the spiritual life of the church has to be balanced in order to be a healthy church. The spiritual life of the church has to be balanced in order to be a healthy church. Just like if you want to be healthy physically, they tell you you have to eat from the five main food groups, 
You have to do it balanced. You have to exercise all that other garbage. And then you are really going to be healthy. You're just going to be the fit specimen of, of health. Um, and you're pulling in from all these areas ways to help your physical being. So it's all about finding avenues to pull nutrients in from. And a healthy church is no different than that spiritually. We look for avenues that the Holy Spirit can feed into, into the church. And everybody okay with Holy Spirit? We're still Pentecostal, right? Yes. We, we believe in the power of the Holy Spirit. So He still feeds into the church through, through different avenues or different ways. And I just uh, pinned a few of these down. You can write them down, or if not, it, it's, it's up to you. Uh, one of the ways the Holy Spirit breathes life or an avenue of life into the church to make it healthy is with our worship. Worship. How many of you have worship in your church? Perfect. Um, if our only worship is public, we're not healthy. You have to be able to train your people how to worship privately as well. If the only time they talk to Jesus is on Sunday, you're in trouble. <laughs> you're in trouble. Because they don't know who He is Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday. We have to worship. I want you to look at it this way. Worship is breathing with God. It's exhaling the world, and it's inhaling God. It's health. You ever just had a horrible, horrible week, and you come in on Sunday, and you're barely dragging through the door, but when worship starts, if you engage, you can actually feel that taking place in your spirit. You blow out all the junk, and you inhale Jesus. And it feels wonderful feels wonderful. So you have to have, you have, to have that worship pushing, pushing into the church. And the worship has to be God-centered. It has to be God-centered. It can't be the music pastor-centered. It can't be the drummer-centered. It can't be the pastor-centered. It has to be God-centered. Uh, I think it's a tragedy, and I get stones for this all the time, when, when churches can go through entire worship sets and the name of Jesus is never mentioned. <laughs> I think it's a tragedy. Like, why did I come today? So uh, he's the life giver. So it has to be centered on him. Centered on him. Not just all uh, girlfriend songs. You know what girlfriend songs are? You could sing them to God or your girlfriend, you wouldn't know the difference. We got to, you know. (laughs) They need to be God-centered, the songs do. Okay, so worship, uh, prayer. There's a shocker. Prayer. Prayer has to be balanced in the church, both public and private. What is prayer? Well, it's... It's connecting. It's connecting with the, uh, with the Creator. It's, it's, it's creation connecting with the Creator. You've got to give times in your church for, for corporate prayer. And at the same time, encourage your people to have prayer privately at home with their family. If they're single, hey man, you, you, there's no reason you couldn't pray for four hours. I mean, just get the prayer going uh, in their life. Jumpstart that. Model that for them. Talk about prayer. Uh, write this down. I don't have time for the Bible study, but uh, Genesis 18. Read that when you get home. Here's your homework. Genesis 18. There's an amazing scene that takes place, and I'll just, I'll just um, say, suffice to say this. I want you to look at prayer, and this is what causes health to come in. If you look at prayer as hosting God, you are hosting God. You ever been to a restaurant and the hostess doesn't care if you're there or not? You it doesn't leave a real good feeling. Do you know every time you communicate in prayer to God, you are hosting the King of the universe? You're hosting Him. Genesis 18 is that story lived out. I'll tell you, and you'll remember it. Uh, it's a hot summer day. Abraham's in the door of his tent. 
the Bible says in Genesis 18. Sarah's back there making Rice Krispie treats or whatever. So he's in the door of the tent. He's looking out across the desert. And he says, he saw the Lord walking his way. And behold, there were two angels with him. So here's, here's the pre-incarnate Christ and two angels walking past Abraham's tent. Now, we're led to believe they would have just walked on past. What were they doing there, Sean? They were on their way to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. But Abraham runs out of the tent toward the Lord. And here's the perfect part I don't want you to miss. He says, please, come by my tent. Sit under the tree for shade. Let us prepare a table for you and wash your feet and feed you. And the Lord turns, as the Bible says, and He turned aside. So He changed direction. He comes, He sits under the shade, and now when you read the picture, He goes in and tells Sarah, says, you've got to make a big meal, man. We've got, we got important company, like God is here. And so Sarah gets busy, and you'll find she takes a small calf. She makes a calf and, and butter and, and, and milk and all these things. And Abraham goes out. He spreads a blanket under the tree. The Lord and the angels sat down, and Abraham, the Bible says, he serves them their food. And then here's the picture. He stands by the tree, Abraham does, like a host. Why? They might need a refill. He might want more calf. He might want more milk. Lord, do you need something else? Lord, 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 do you, do you need a refill? Lord, do you need me to take care of that? You want me, you want me to take your dishes and me throw those away? You say, well... Abraham was the father of faith. Yeah, but before he ever became that, he was the servant of Jehovah. Prayer is you hosting God in your life. It is you spreading the blanket out in the middle of the, of the heat of the world of the week and saying, hey, I don't care. If anybody else comes by my way, Lord, I'm hosting you today. I'm going to spread out the table. I'm going to give you everything I've got of myself. And I'm going to be content to host you. You need something else from me, Lord? You want me to go to her? You want me to talk to him? You may serve here. You may serve there. Wherever you need me to go, I, I, I'm willing to do it. If you get your people to catch on to the idea that prayer is not a chore, it's hosting the one who sits on the circle of the earth, it'll, change, it'll revolutionize the way they pray. Prayer is not a chore to Christianity. It is an amazing privilege to Christianity. i, I got to go. I'm not even through my introduction. Um, uh, the Word of God. Worship prayer as hosting God. The Word of God. A healthy church has the Word of God. It is central. It is central. The pastor, I know this is weird, but he actually preaches the Bible. It's, it's the Word of God. It's central. And grace is offered through it. Uh, there, there's hearing going on. There's reading going on. There's studying going on. Uh, you don't have enough time to have people at church for 25 hours a week. So you have to infuse that into them at home. Don't neglect reading your, your scripture. And there's no more excuse of that, you know, I just don't understand King James language. There's 55,000 translations. And I can get on my phone here and pull up 130 in a matter of seconds. Read the Word. Get it somehow into your, into your regular um, daily routine. Fasting. Yes, there's still importance in fasting. It, it shows God there's an urgency. And... <coughs> when you corporately fast, there's a bonding of the body. How many, uh, how many are pastors in here? Okay, do you, do you call corporate fast ever? Sometimes, maybe, kind of, sort of? Well, 
there's something good about that because it bonds the family of faith together. Fast. Um, encourage any kind of fasting. It doesn't have to be that they give up everything but clean air. Uh, you, know, one, you know one of the hardest things now is to ask them to fast this. Pastor, you can mess with my T-bone, but not my Facebook. I need this to live. No, you, no, you don't. Fast it every now and then. Go, go. To, even your young people say, hey, go three days, no social media. Well, it's culture shock. But it shows an urgency to God. Uh, fellowship. we got to have meeting together. I'm trying to hurry through these. Fellowship, stewardship, time, talent. Uh, I call them the five T's of stewardship. Time, talent, temple, tithe, and testimony. You've got to have all five of those ready. Again, those are time, talent, temple, tithe, and testimony. You're going to be held accountable for how you handle all five of those. Healthy churches know how to handle those. Uh, and the last two, you've got to have ministry. But ministry shouldn't come until you have all those others firing on all cylinders. And then submission to God regardless of what's going on. So all of that is dependent on the Spirit of God without a doubt. And again, that's worship, prayer, the Word, fasting, fellowship, stewardship, ministry, and submission to God. Uh, And we're responsible, church, we're responsible for maintaining an atmosphere or uh, building the groundwork to be conducive to the Holy Spirit to move in those areas in our folks' life. So, um, what is a church? What is a church? Um, A church has... And this, this teaching has been around a while, uh, but sometimes it just bears repeating. A church has order and function. Order and function. And the common illustration people will give is like a river. The banks of a river make the order. The water is the function. You can't have a river if you don't have banks. You can't have a river if you don't have water. One provides order. One provides function. A church to be healthy has to operate under the power of the Holy Spirit in order. Paul even gives us a whole scripture about that. But we have to have function. It's like a breath without a body is meaningless. But a body without breath is dead, right? So the body, it's God creating Adam. He makes it out of the, out of the mud. There's the form. But the function isn't realized until he goes... So the church, we have all these forms in place, i.e. programs, but we have forgotten that the Holy Spirit is the life-giving function of those. And so a lot of people are just running on fumes of what they learned last year at Synergy. (laughs) They don't know, uh, oh, you mean God can talk to me today? Yeah, sure. Uh, He breathes life into that function, welcoming His his, uh, presence into into the situation. Here's the three things um, that, that, that I want to I say um, because I want to spend the remainder of my time on the need for a team. Uh, a team. And that seems to be the theme of the day at Synergy. Every session that I emceed or, or, or just walked by and heard, I heard team coming out of everybody's mouth. Team, team, team. So I'm not out of the loop here. When I came to First Assembly at Chillicothe, um, left the church in Kentucky. I was Church of God, Cleveland, before I came to the assemblies. All my friends that are Church of God now think I've backslid. So I, 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 I left, the, I left, left the second largest church in the state of Kentucky 
with a very nice salary and package. To move to Chillicothe, Ohio with the Assemblies of God with a massive crowd of 12. 12 people. Me, my wife, and my son, who was three at the time, we made a whopping 15 people. And I remember people saying, have you lost your brain? What is wrong with you? you, you you're, you're at one of the most growing churches in Kentucky. You, you, you know, what, what, can we give you more money? Can we do this? What, what would get you to stay? But here's the deal. When we went to visit Chillicothe, and that was a total God thing too. My buddy was supposed to be doing the preaching, and he got laryngitis the day before he was supposed to go. He said, hey, Sean, can you go cover for me? Sure. I don't even know where Chillicothe is. But on the way home, my wife and I stopped to eat, and we both looked at each other, and tears welled up in our eyes, and I said, what are you thinking? And she said, I think... I think maybe we're supposed to move. And I said, I think you're right. And it scares me to death. So we left. We went to Chillicothe with 12 people who uh, had no ministry going on whatsoever. The Ohio district was paying everything that had to be paid, paying all the light bill, the mortgage. Uh, they were mustering up enough to buy, you know, I don't know, a pound of coffee or something. So I, you know, they said, well, you know, we can't pay you. And I said, well, I'm well aware of that, um, very well aware of that, uh, and so I talked to Doug Clay, who was superintendent at the time, and the and the district was willing to kind of offset some living arrangement for us, uh, which was a blessing. But when I got in the middle of those twelve people, here's what I found: there was no team mentality at all. Every hope they had ever had about being a team was had died a long time ago, and everything became: what are you going to do, Pastor? What are you going to do? What are you going to do? Well, what, what, what do you all do? Oh, we, uh, we come to church every Sunday, praise the Lord. Oh, great, great, great. Well, I mean, what ministry do you do? Oh, we, we, uh, church is a ministry. We, we come to church. I said, okay, well, then what do I do? Well, you mow the grass. And, um, and by the way, it's two weeks past mowing, Pastor. Just, uh, it looks pretty bad from the road, I noticed coming in. And... Um, and uh, you'll, you'll buy every, all the products we need for the church, and you'll teach the adult Sunday school. And we do have a guy who can play the guitar, but you'll probably need to sing every now and then, and that's horrible to say to me. Um, and, uh, and then you'll preach, you'll preach Sunday morning, you'll teach Wednesday night, and we want Sunday nights back, and we want you to preach those too, and uh, you'll visit us in the hospital. And I'm coming from a church where we had teams doing everything. And I said, well, from now on in this conversation, we're not going to say, what are you going to do, Pastor? We're going to say, what are we going to do? Because you're in this with me. If I fail at this church, I'm taking all of you with me. That's what I said. You're all going down for this. But if we succeed, I might mention you in the, in the, in, in the back of the book. No. Here's the three things that I have held to that I instilled in them, and maybe it'll help you, and maybe you'll say, man, I should have skipped out this session. But here's the three things uh, that you have to ask. If you want to be healthy as a team, you have to ask, where do you want me? Where do you want me? 
That's a scary question. Ask a pastor. Hey, pastor, where would you like me to serve? Because nine times out of ten, his wheels have already been turning. Well, I have a perfect place for you. <laughs> a church down the road. No. Where do you want me? No, we would never say that. A lot of my church people here, I don't think that about any of them. Uh, where, where do you want me? Uh, once you find that out, here's what I want you to say. If you're going to be a healthy team member, you have to say this. Now that I'm here, I'm here. So that's, that's wow, you're deep today. No, now that I'm here, I'm here. That, that speaks volumes to a pastor. Because you're telling him, Thank you for the authority. Thank you for the trust. Thank you for the love. And now, Pastor, you go do whatever it is pastors do. Because as, as long as this ministry is alive, I'm here. And when you say that to a pastor, it's like angels break out in choir. Hallelujah. I'm here. I'm here. And then the third thing you have to ask, now that you're functioning as a team, is how do we transform our city? Because a healthy church never focuses on itself. You realize that the church should be the most important building in your city. Your church should be more important than the mayor's office, than the courthouse, than the jail, than the sheriff's department. Like God designed the church to be the hub. You don't believe me? Look at the Old Testament. God said, build my house, then build everything else around it. But I've got to be saved. Church should be the transformer of the city. Now, that's what's going on in Chillicothe. We're, we're being overrun with drugs, heroin. Over half of our population is addicted to either soft um, prescription drugs or heroin. 54% of our city is addicted to drugs. So what do you do? Well, it's got to preach better sermons. Right. No. The pastors are getting together saying, okay, it's not about my church versus your church. We've got a city to transform. What's really weird is I, 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 my whole leadership style is teams. Teams, teams, teams. I've just, and you may not be that way, but I've just seen danger when you don't do that. But now the pastors are having to be forced to work together as a team. And pastors are some of the weirdest beasts on the planet. But when you see pastors come together and working as a team, it's not about me, it's about we. It, cha- it will transform the city. God will transform the city. To get to that kind of church, let me raise these questions because I, I don't know if I'll answer them or not. You'll forget them if I erase them. Is, <laughs> consumerism is the drive of America. Consumerism. Right? Believe it or not, people that check out your church ride on that same transportation of consumerism. Marketers know this on commercials. Everything they put on the commercial is to get you to buy it. Not so you think it's pretty, it's so you'll buy it. They, they want you to look at price. They want you to look at convenience. <coughs> They want you to look at quality. They want you to look at pride. You should own this because your neighbors can't afford it. 
<laughs> they want you to look at selection. We've got so many colors to pick from. And we will never let you down. We've got customers. Everything a marketer puts on a TV commercial delves into these six issues. The people that are searching for churches come with this mentality too. How much is it going to cost me to attend this church? Like, do you want me here more than once a week or what? Uh, is the stuff convenient in this church? What's the quality like? What kind of lighting do you have? What kind of singers do you have? What kind of preaching do you do? Pride. Can I, can I be respected as a Pentecostal in this town? Or do I need to go to some place that's not, you know, cuckoo? Selection. Do you, do you give me a traditional service and a modern service and a... And in between her service and all that stuff. Customer service. Can I call you when I bump my toe, Pastor? And you will shake heaven for me for that. Because if not, I mean, I know a pastor that will. So I'll just go. And what you will do as a church is you'll try to function everything you do through these six things. And these are not what God called the church to do. God describes the church two different ways in Scripture. As an army and as a family. And an army or a family cannot function on consumer mentality. Can you imagine going to boot camp up to your drill sergeant and go, this green really isn't me. <laughs> Green's not my color. Can I have a purple camouflage? Maybe with a tint of pink around the bottoms. Uh, yeah, you're not going to last in the army. Your family isn't that way. You don't have your kids coming and go, hey, mom, dad, I had a great decision. Maybe we should sleep on the roof tonight. And that's what will make me happy. Well, then, baby, let's move the beds out on the roof and we're all... No, you don't do that. Parents run the home the way the home is supposed to be ran. The army has order, has structure. And God compares us to both of those. And yet we function in this mentality. That's unhealthy. You will kill yourself trying to meet all these things. Functioning as a team unwraps the power that God's locked away for the body for this generation. It's where the wisdom of God is made known to the world when a church functions as a true body of Christ. I, I, I like this scripture. You can write it down. Ephesians 3.10 Ephesians 3.10 uh, New King James says, To the intent that now the manifold wisdom of God might be made known by the church to the principalities and powers in heavenly places. Now, we skim over that, but I want you to hear it again. He said, the wisdom of God is made known by the church. The wisdom of God is made known by the church. Every Sunday when you get together, you are showing the wisdom of God. Now, look back on your last Sunday service. How smart did you make God look? I'm replaying it in my mind. He even goes on to say that the principalities and powers learn the wisdom of God by the church. What's principalities and powers? Anybody know? Devils? Demons? Here's my point. If the devil has to go to church to see what God's doing, don't you think we should go to church to see what God's doing? Like when I go to church, it's not to see what color, you know, is, is it a blue-black dress or a white-gold dress that she's wearing on the black <laughs> When I go to church, it's to see what's God doing this week. 
And when I find what the Holy Spirit's doing, I hitch my wagon to Him. Because if the devil's faithful enough to go every Sunday to find out what God's going to do that week in Chillicothe, I'd better be there to make sure I know what God's going to do in Chillicothe this week. But if church unhealthy is just to go and say, yeah, I'll come whenever I want to come, I'll do whatever I want to do, and then you get mad when the pastor doesn't involve you in a ministry, it's because you don't have any idea what God's doing. You've not been there. So you're not asking people to expend more time, per se. You're asking people to make use of what time they're already giving to the church. Why are you here? Why, why do you come to church? And, and, the, and the thing that's been catching wind is, well, we just remove God from everything, and then church is just a gathering, and we'll all be okay because we all got together. That's, that's unhealthy because if you remove God and what He's doing in the church, you make it very comfortable for people not to come to church whenever they don't want to come to church. Amen. If God's not central. And let me say this, and make a few people mad and get some emails. But if you'll ever notice, people will not be late for sports games, practices, or their job, but they will be consistently late for church. You ever notice that? Johnny's got soccer practice at 4.30, Pastor. I I just can't do it. Their church starts at 10.45. Here they all come. Cow licks upside their head. (laughs) Why? Because they've forgotten. Hey, guys, we're here to see what God's doing. That's more important than your kid making a goal. This is like the work of God in our city. And you're part of that team. And when God's trying to pull us out to do something and you've not been here to get your instructions from the Lord, we can't depend on you to be part of that team. You, you, make, it, you make it unhealthy. Team. Team. Being together. That's what makes a healthy church. Being together. Anybody a, uh, anybody a doomsday prepper? Anybody here a doomsday prepper? No? It's okay. You don't have to be embarrassed. My nose is running like a sugar tree. Okay. Doomsday prepper. I'm not one either, so... But uh, my, my stepdad, uh, <laughs> you know, there's, there's going to be a zombie outbreak any time. And he's, uh, he's, he's on... And he has to watch The Walking Dead because he has to know what's going on. So, uh, doomsday uh, preppers, they will tell you uh, and, and if we think it's going away, it's not. According to Fortune magazine, I Googled it this week, there are 3.7 million people who identify themselves as doomsday preppers in America last year. Projected 5 million by the end of this year. They even have an annual convention. I didn't know this. Uh, it's in Lakeland, Florida in November. It's called LCBR, or Life Will Change, Be Ready. <laughs> but doomsday preppers will tell you if you watch their show on TV, isolation will kill you. Community will keep you alive. And somehow, doomsday preppers have hijacked what should be the church's slogan. Isolation will kill you. But community will keep you alive. If you go to church for just you, you're going to die. But if you go to church to allow the Holy Spirit to network you with the body, you're going to live. You're going to live. Because you're going to have people connected to you that refuse to let you go down without a fight. They're going to fight for you. They're going to fight for your family. You're going to fight for your kids. You're going to have community. Everybody remembers the horrible story of uh, Susan Smith who drowned her babies in the bathtub. Right? Everybody remember that story? Horrible, gruesome. We hated it. But when they interviewed her, they attended a church every week. 
Every week they attended a church. But she said, I never made one connection in my church. I don't, I, she said, I couldn't write down more than two of the ladies' names. They went to a church of 1,500. I had no friends. And that's no excuse to drown your babies. But it speaks to the importance of team. Team. To where a, a Susan Smith could have said, life is kicking my guts out. I need some help. Community will let you survive. Isolation will, will kill you. That's what's vital. That's what's vital in the church. Um, everywhere. You see it everywhere. Last year, uh, the Spurs beat the Heat to everybody's amazement. Why? Because as good of a player as LeBron James is, LeBron James cannot beat an entire basketball team. Right? Coach Popovich of the Spurs, every time they took a break, go online, Google it. Spurs versus Heat Championship. They have clips of the sidelines. Every time Coach Popovich took a break, he had those guys on the bench and they had, they had a mic there. You can hear it. Watch, watch the clips. I ain't making it up. He says, guys, we are a team out there. Let LeBron do what LeBron wants to do. We are the Spurs. And we're going to win this thing. We're going to win this thing. And then, he, and then it cuts to the other side, and here's LeBron. He's doing his own thing, man. Well, everybody else is having a meeting. He's walking around. Why? Individualism will kill you, but team will sustain you. It's coming from that idea that together we are mightier than what we are by ourselves. And I know that's not rocket science, guys. We all know this stuff. But it's the pattern God has set for the church. That was the pattern of the Jews. The rabbi would read the scripture and then he would sit down like we're all here today. He would sit down and together they would discuss what the scripture meant. And the revelation of God came to the group. Not the individual. This requires us to have transitions. How am I doing on time? Man, four minutes? Jeez. All right. Give me five. Thank you. Got five, so make me six. Give me six, 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 six. All right, six. All right. Transitions. Transitions. What did I say, Ben? Transitions are necessary. They're hard, but they're necessary. Getting your church people to move in the direction of working on teams versus individualism or what's it all about for me is going to be very, very hard for them, but it's going to be very, very necessary for them. There's a scripture I used to hear all the time. My grandma would say this all the time. The Lord is changing us from glory to glory. You remember that scripture? Sean, the Lord's blessing me. He's changing me from glory to glory. I was like, man, that's a cool cool phrase. It's more than a cool phrase. It's the reality of what God does. He transitions us from glory to glory. And it's hard. Because there's three three seasons in a transition. Something has to die. There's an in-between. And then something new is born. And as humans, we feel like we don't have time to do any of those three. So what happens is, we get content with old glory. <laughs> well, I know the Lord blessed me here, and I ain't about to move. Well, maybe the Lord wants that glory for that season, but He's killing that. There's an in-between, but He's going to give birth to a new glory for you. Isn't that what Scripture says, from glory to glory? But if you stay in old glory long enough, you'll get stale and unhealthy. And nobody does church right but you. You're the only one left on the planet, Elijah. They've all forsook you, Lord. I'm the only one who knows how to worship you. And the Lord said, that's funny. i got 7,000 over here. I know how to do it. Elijah's stuck in that, in that old glory. Those that transition will win. 
It will become a skill to you, knowing how to transition. Old glory, when the Lord's trying to kill something in you, just so He can raise something new in you, we're okay with that. But the in-between where there's chaos, we hate. When you go back to your churches, you say, hey, here's an idea. Maybe church isn't all about you. And maybe we should work together. (laughs) You're in for it, man. Because you just killed old glory. I have done this for 35 years by myself. Never missed a Sunday. The Lord's been glorified in it. And I had a moving. Well, we have three new people at the church that could help you and make it even better than what it's ever been. <laughs> better. <laughs> it can't get better than what I've done. I've done the research. I know what I'm doing. It's the middle chaos of transforming from death to life where everything's stirred up in the way we're used to doing things that will almost crush us. But that's why we need community there in a team. People together around that person. (laughs) I just thought of somebody at my my old church that... uh, Never mind, I don't have time for that story. So, uh, moving... um, uh, I really want to tell it, but I'm not going to. Uh, Transition... This is being recorded. Uh, Passionate... (laughs) And downloadable. So I said... Wow, let me skip. Stay over here (laughs) Hmm, okay, what, what holds us back? Here's what we want to know. Here's what we want to know. What holds us back? One minute. What holds us back? Um, what holds us back is comfort. You, you know, let's just be honest. We like where we're at. It's comfortable, Pastor. It's comfortable for me to come, do what I do, and, and go home. Um, so part of moving from individualism to team is kill comfort zones. Teach people how to kill it. Well, you've gotten comfortable with your work for the Lord. (laughs) That's too bad. I'm killing that. Comfort, fear. We're just afraid to do something new. I mean, that's really just honest, man. We're just afraid to do something new. So, comfort, fear, sentiment. Some people mistake sentimentality for spirituality. It's sentimental to me. It's just the way we've always done it. My grandma done it that way. Sentimental, man. Don't touch that. Well, it might be sentimental, but is it spiritual? Is it breathing life into the church? What's it all about? I, I, don't, um, I don't have time to go through half of this stuff. So what's, what's it all about? What's the purpose of a healthy church? What's the purpose of a healthy church? And here's what I think it is. Be conformed into His image. Isn't that really the purpose of why we do church? Last November, we we ended our um, average at our church at 175. Or last September, we ended our average at our church at 175 people every Sunday morning. We ended February an average of 220 people every Sunday morning. People say, "Well, what are you? Doing? How are you doing that? What are you doing?" this and this. People may not tell you, but here's the reason they really signed on with this old Jesus gig. It's because they want to be more like Him. Jesus is attractive. 
They ask a thousand Chinese believers, what prompted you to follow Jesus? And they had a, they had a multiple choice. Miracles, uh, prosperity, things he could give you, things you could... Overwhelmingly, 94 or 95% of them came back with the same answer. It's how he served. How he served. I.e., washing the disciples' feet. Any God who would stoop to wash his creation's feet is a God I want to serve. You know what that says to me? We all have something born in us that we know we're not right and we need to be conformed to this. I could serve better than what I serve. I can live better than what I live. I can love better than what I love. To be conformed into that, into that image, tucked away on the inside of a healthy church is this desire for us to become more like Him. There's ministry in, in every, every area. And when you start reaching out as a team, as a church that's healthy, and, and uh, it doesn't have to be in the pulpit, but you reach out to, um, you know, to juvenile centers and you reach out to nursing homes and there's a friend of mine's church in North Carolina they reach out to the AIDS wing of a hospital Um, when you do those kind of things intentional here's what will happen people will look at your church and they will have this in their mind these people are the real deal these people are the real deal like it's not about how much I dropped in the plate Sunday morning they care about they care about ministry they care about community they care about they care about people 